Welcome to 1876 Sports and Culture Podcast, bringing you the latest buzzing updates from our beloved Prairie View A&M University, featuring your fellow PV Panthers, Roland Austin, Jay Cleasy, Big Mike Washington, three-time swag champ Gati Warema, former drum major HBCU band historian Shanetta Haskell, and Al Williams, driving the show from the hill. Please subscribe and give us five stars on social media at Panthers underscore 1876. Welcome to the 1876 Sports and Culture Podcast, another exciting show for you today. First, I want to talk about something that I recently learned, a partnership with Prairie View and Deloitte. So did you know that about, what, 84% of CPAs are white? Did you all know that? I mean, it it shouldn't surprise us. 84%. 2% of us are black? 2% black. Yeah. 2%. And so, less than um, that of actual CPA firms, <laughs> black CPA firms. Wow. So we got to do better. We have to do better. And so Prairie View announced its partnership with the Deloitte Foundation to power scholarship programs for our accounting students. So over the next six years, they are going to fund $30 million, $30 nice. million in scholarships nice. for our accounting students. So That's kudos great. to them. That is really great. It's funny because my wife, she did accounting at um at AM. And when I was talking to her about that, she was like, had I known those numbers were less than that, it would have kind of triggered her to even pursue her CPA. I don't know what's the driving factor. Like, I mean, how do you go into accounting and not? But I guess it's the same thing for engineers, right? We oh, go right. into engineering and our numbers are equally as low on the professional engineering side of things too. So we have to push that second wave of education and certifications to really, you know, make our mark in those industries. Most definitely, most definitely. And I understand, what was that? No, just kudos to Deloitte. Good job. Deloitte. Oh, definitely, definitely. So I heard that was a, a spring scrimmage game. Yep, the first scrimmage of the spring season, purple against the gold. Two of the standouts out there were uh, Jaden Stewart, the six foot, 210 pound true freshman Running back, mm. uh, if you were at some games last year, you saw him pop off to the scene. I remember. So his performance during this scrimmage just showed you that he is essentially trying his best to lock up that job. He is a beast. You will not bring him down on the first tackle. So he was someone who really stood out. Uh, another standout was Trajan Spiller, a 6'3", 180-pound mm-hmm. true freshman as well from Killeen, Texas, uh, wide receiver. Uh, his size and speed really stood out from the other performers as well. Um, the offense seemed to have a little, were a little ahead of the defense. Jason Dumas, for those of you who don't know, underwent soldier surgery shortly mm. after the uh, SWAG championship game. He was out yeah. there playing with a torn up shoulder. Wow. He is a soldier. So he was not, he is not performing in uh, spring practice, but the guy looked good. It was the first practice again. Uh, we'll be anxious to see the spring game, which will be the 23rd of April. They will do the Panther Walk at 2.30 p.m. on the 23rd. Okay. And the alumni, as we mentioned before, Alumni Affairs 
will host a tailgate, which means free food and drink on the 23rd from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. So I would encourage said, everyone- drink, drink. There is a I difference. Said, drink. Yes, I did. <laughs> so I would encourage everyone to make it there for the Panther Walk at 2.30. A lot of people probably don't know what it is, but that's basically the, the football team walking out from their- Man, I don't know where they initiate from. So they, they initiate <laughs> in, front of, uh, in front of MSC um, okay. at the Panther. So a lot of us old heads, we didn't- know that the panther was there but yeah out in front of the msc the nice big panther statue they originate there and they actually walk to the field to the field house from that point of reference so good place to come out get some pictures help cheer the boys on um looking forward to seeing everybody out there i know everybody's hungry for football again especially now that we it seems like we're getting our rhythm back so come on out support the team get you something to eat and uh tailgate and enjoy the game yes Yes, and for yes. those who are curious, like myself, you get to see the quarter what the quarterback competition looks like, and you will get to see what the offense looks like under new offensive coordinator Mark Fredericks. So I'm sure he's anxious to put some wrinkles in the offense, being his first time as the OC for Prairie A&M. So let's get out there, let's get it, let's support our team again. April the 23rd, the game is at 4 p.m. Panther walk at 2:30. Come on, Panthers, let's make it a day. Make it happen. Make it. I'm. I'm. I'm actually gonna come from Dallas. So Uh-oh. those that are in Houston, I know. Road trip. You know, my dad. <laughs> my my dad graduated from Prairie View in I believe it was 1961, and he has been saying how he wants to come back. He's 84 years old, and so I've always felt that homecoming would be a little too much for him. So yeah. I was like, Hey, you want to roll down to PV PV with me on the 23rd? He was like, I do. So. Oh, that's, yeah. oh, that's I'm excited. I got a road trip for that one. <laughs> I'm that's excited. Sweet. Yeah, he has. And heard lately he's been really talking about Prairie View and wanting to see the campus. And so I, it'll be a good little good father-daughter time. When's the last yeah. time he saw the campus? Exactly. When I he came, my, my so my niece graduated in 2010, but you know, the baby dome is right there. So he yeah. hasn't like really gone. When he would drop me off, he would always walk around the uh campus because Alexander Buchanan was brand spanking new when he was in school. And so he would always walk around the campus when he dropped me off. So that was really the last time that he's truly seen the campus. So 1996. You got to record his response. Like you got to get that that real hard, just (laughs) raw footage. be like, what What Exactly, exactly. (laughs) I've I've asked asked for uh, assistance if I can get maybe like a golf cart. So working on that. But yeah, so. I'm excited, excited for him. Good deal. She say, don't talk about it, be about it. (laughs) Exactly. So some exciting news here. Federal Judge Katanji Brown Jackson made history on Thursday, April 7th, by becoming the first Black woman confirmed to the United States Supreme Court. Most qualified, most disrespected, but she got there. She got there. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Another round of where, you know, the tax is high. You know, you have to overperform, over-deliver, and still find yourself in a position where they deem you not qualified. But, hey, you know what? I applaud her decorum, her demeanor. She did it with (laughs) such grace. You know, Um, there was a couple of times I would have just, I'm sorry, I was sitting there watching and I got, yeah, <laughs> especially that whole Ted Cruz scenario, man. Like that was a that was a rough one, but she did it, and she did it with grace and and class. And so, you know, congratulations to her. She's she's well deserved. It's well deserved. It's not just that she's black, but she is 
a well-deserving person to sit in that position. Mm-hmm. And, and let it be said that the 1876 Sports and Culture Podcast has been on Kentaji for over a year. Over a year, we called it. It was called oh, right here. Brother Alan we got Williams receipts now. First. <laughs> <laughs> Check the history. Definitely, definitely. My one question is, if you're Tim Scott's family, is he allowed to any family activities at all? Oh, and for those who, of you who don't know, he's the black man senator or congressman from South Carolina who voted against Kataji. He had, he, you know what? He had to stay. He's doing his best to stay with the party line. And no, that's, he didn't because yes, it was three other Republicans, including he, Nick Romney, who voted yeah, for he, her. They gave him the opening to go ahead and vote as well. Yeah, but he he's a he's a different breed. It, I just don't I don't understand him. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't understand him. I don't understand his politics for him to continue to try to. Uh, I don't know any other better way to say it, but to kiss behind as much as he does and for them to continue to snub him at some point. I don't know. What does he owe the party? What, what do they have on you that you are continuing to be that loyal to a party that does not? <laughs> well, and you know, there are Tim Scott's everywhere they lurk yeah and my question is does pv have a tim scott oh man you just going to the gut early i'm, I'm just wondering because <laughs> if there's a is there if there is a pv tim scott we need to identify this individual or individuals mm. bring them out and do our best to call them out whenever they push Tom foolery Identif- what, would, what would be the how would you identify a, a pv tim scott what would it what would that look like <laughs> it's egregious when you see it you know it well yeah, yeah. it ain't hard i'm just Good. saying gracious man. i'm gonna leave it alone i'm gonna let it go. i'm sorry <laughs> my bad but we definitely definitely want to congratulate katanji well deserved well deserved but Justice we also, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me put some respect. Respect on that. <laughs> respect on that name. We also had another young lady in the news this week, and that is the Gramlin State University volleyball coach. We heard that she cut the entire team. Some people said, "Hey, she's the coach. Do whatever she wants." Others were like, "Man, where's my baby gonna go to school?" What do you all think? That that turned out to be a little bit of, of fake news. It came out exactly. that she only cut about four or five players, which is which is you know typical. I remember when I was recruited to university and Coach Cooper had her, they call it inherited players. It was about eight or nine cut that year. So it's not uncommon. And it really just depends on what the the new coach kind of you know vision for the team is. I was surprised, though, because they didn't do horribly in the SWAC. I think they came in fourth or fifth place. So, you know, that was a little uh, it made the news because the whole team being cut is unorthodox. But, yeah, a couple of players, no one's safe when co- when there's an exchange of coaches in any sport. Yeah, I think that's a, also another example of social media where if we're, we're not careful, we allow social media and non-professionals to drive the story. Right. This All came out from players that were associated with the volleyball team that wanted to put out a specific spin, and in this case, a negative spin in terms of the coach, if you're looking at it openly, and people took off with it. 
And so yep. unless you do the extra research and go in it, you're just going to run with the tagline, which is going to create a whole different framework versus if you took a little more time and looked at it. So I think that's right. one perspective. The thing that I will say is I'm always a proponent of college athletes. Um, that means getting their name, image, and likeness means getting opportunity. But when you put it out there like that, that also means that the stakes go up and higher, which means that you're also going to have coaches that are going to have leverage to do what they need to do in terms of them uh, professionalizing their careers. So I think people that are in the business of sports, and I'm talking about parents, because Joe Clay, we talked about this back and forth uh, about making sure that parents and those athletes that are entering into these contractual agreements really understand what that means, where you're sending your young child, boy or girl, in terms of young adult at that time, going into an institution for the higher education and what they're going to study. I think this means that you have a lot of people that need to do a little bit more of their homework versus just getting into this whole trope of what being a college athlete supposedly is about. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the first thing I thought about when I saw this story. I followed up and read that it was only four or five players and that the uh, administration knew what she was going to do and why. But the first thing I thought about was parents and student athletes need to educate yourselves. Uh, when you stop down this path of being a student athlete, you need to understand that it ain't a four-year scholarship. There's no such thing as a four-year ac- uh, athletic scholarship. There's Actually, a four-year... Actually, there is, Joe. They just changed that legislation. And some of the Power Five schools. The Power Five can do it. Yeah, they can offer it. Well, all of them can do it. The legislation is there that they can give it. They can. So so if we're speaking from a SWAC perspective, an HBCU perspective, and most schools in general, it's a one-year improvement deal. You you ain't getting no guaranteed four years. If it's an academic scholarship, yeah, you keep your GPA up and you guaranteed that four years. But Athletically, it's a one-year prove-it deal, and if a new coach comes in and you're not their type, chances are you're hitting that transfer portal because your scholarship is not going to be honored for the next year. So know the business of sports. Know the business of college sports before you go down that road. And for PV folks who, who want to be self-righteous and say that would never happen at PV, and you heard Guy T say a couple minutes ago, it happened under Coach Coop. It happens on uh, every sports on Prairie View A&M's university campus because it is a business. It ain't yeah. just for fun. And you yeah, probably yeah. going to see it happening a lot more. I mean, you look at the the number of kids that are entering the portal now. I mean, it was good for the goose. It's good for the gander. So, you know, hey, man, we're going <laughs> to everybody got to look out for self. Yeah. And, and so hopefully this will share some light on that as far as the importance, because that's, I learned something new. I I did. I thought once you got that athletic scholarship, you're good, right? And so hopefully, although it was shown in such a negative light, it will educate our future young people, right? That they do need to be educated on, as you said, the business of college sports, okay? So Roland, I hear we have a HBCU Juneteenth Alliance Fest Coming up, and tell us it's about a it. Mouthful. It is the. It was announced <laughs> <laughs> this week the the HBCU Juneteenth Alliance Fest. So it looks like it's going to be hosted by Prairie A&M University National Alumni Association in conjunction with the Texas Southern University National Alumni Association, and it is a packed, I mean, a jam-packed schedule complete with golf tournaments, a president's dinner, a Juneteenth HBCU symposium, a PhD project symposium, healthcare disparities symposium. HBCU Alumni Career Services Job Fair and Expo, 
And they're going to wrap it up and round it out with a Sunday breakfast celebrating Juneteenth and Father's Day. So, again, be on the lookout for more information. It's scheduled right now for June 16th through the 19th. And I'm just excited for this because uh, it's good to finally see that we're putting some something official and something of, of a staple around Juneteenth. I think everybody kind of has their own way of celebrating Juneteenth and it's very isolated and kind of segmented. I think this will be a good start, especially for the city of Houston and uh, those HBCU members, because it is also open to other HBCU alumni associations in the area, too. So I look forward to it. Good. Good. Thing. Very nice. Very nice. And we'll be back to talk with spring sports. On your marks, get set, go! And we're back to talk some spring sports. Yada. Yes, let's start with softball. The women's softball team went down to Baton Rouge, as they call it over in those parts, the bluff. Got off on a great note, winning the first game 6-3. Entered into the second contest and won that as well, 13-9. So they had the thoughts of maybe bringing out the broom. It was not to be, so we need to slow our roll a little bit. They lost the third game 4-7. to seven, But the fact that they took two out of three is strong. So they sit in second place and they're one game ahead of the Southern team they just beat. And so they put themselves in a very good position in terms of continuing to do the things they look to. So uh, next week, they continue into action and they'll be back at home. They have the midweek game against uh, Texas A&M and Corpus Christi. That is on home. It's a one o'clock game on the 12th. And then you have a three game set, if you would, against Arkansas Pine Bluff on the 15th and 16th at home as well. So it should be fascinating to kind of see can they continue this momentum they're having on the softball field and, and the diamond to find a way to get it done? Transitioning to the men, it was the robbery weekend. Prairie View hosting Texas Southern University. That started off the three-game set as they start off on Friday. Did a 10-run route of Texas Southern University, which is a statement in itself. Winning that game 14-4, playing some really good baseball. Came back Saturday, and I got a chance to actually get down to Prairie View with Deuce to check out that game, and it was extremely entertaining. Prairie View jumped out in front early in that matchup. Texas Southern fought back. It was a couple of innings where they allowed Texas Southern to put up the crooked letters, if you would, as they say. Three, which made it a little closer game. Four to three as they went into the fifth inning, if you would. And then you had one inning that was really bad for Prairie View where they allowed Texas Southern the Tigers to score five. So they went up eight to four. They fought back and I was talking to Deuce and I said they need to put up two runs in this inning just to put a little momentum there and pressure on them. And sure enough, uh, they did eight and put up those two runs and got eight to six. They allowed the Tigers to score another run which makes you a little nervous going into those eighth and ninth inning. And we were enjoying it. Moving around there, they fought back and they had a ninth inning one to remember. Uh, the smallest guy you would think on the field. Deuce is sitting up there. I need a homer. He didn't get a homer, but he got a big three RBI <laughs> triple. And the guy that's sitting there, which is funny when you're watching these games because folks are just open to really take you into this. Had a chance and he was like, well, if this guy hits a homer, everybody here will be just as surprised as him. He turns around and hits that triple. The guy says, call it, young man. Call it. <laughs> 
So he starts cheering. So it's fantastic. They scored two runs. Get another run, essentially tie up the game in the ninth. And so he looks at him. He said, you going to call it again? We get this run here. We win the game. And you got a big RBI single uh, in that matchup uh, that was really big in terms of them winning that Saturday game, 10 to 9, just getting it done in so many different ways in that matchup. I thought was fascinating when you get Turner with that single to left field that had the RBI for Redmond advance in to score that game. Not to be today in terms of Sunday, when you had a chance again to bring out the brooms, they fought back a little bit. And I guess I shouldn't use fault because there was a little dust up in the second game. They got it all under control. And so it looked like uh, they actually were thinking about not playing the rest of the game. It looked bad, but it was not as bad as could be. No fists were thrown and no punches, I guess you would say, I should say. But you came back today and they actually got run rule themselves, 16 to 4, but they continue to fight. Uh, now it sets up a really big matchup. You know, the softball team just went to the bluff. Now the baseball team goes down there and they are in second place tied with Gramlin as they lost Arkansas Pine Bluff. Southern swept Alcorn, so they have a one-game lead uh, going into next week. And if you're following baseball at this point, it is really exciting in terms of these matchups because every week seems to build upon another one in terms of where you sit finding yourself in the standings. Right now, Prairie View is a game back, but they have a chance to really make a statement as they go to Baton Rouge to fight Southern Jaguars to see if they can come back in first place next week. Baseball and softball are doing that thing. Yeah, definitely. So you know, my next question is going to be the crowd. How 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 are we doing on participation at the at the baseball game? A pretty good crowd. Baseball, softball, uh, all those sports where you have a lot of parent involved. Good. Okay. So you have a lot of the parents that there that come out there. They're very voiceful, very exciting. Obviously, good. in this terms of matchup, you had a lot of Texas Southern fans, parents come down to this game. So um, you had a pretty good crowd. They have the lawn chairs out there. Obviously. We have a nice facility in terms of what's going on. So you, you get a pretty good fan. And I like the fact that you got a lot of students out there. And I'm not just saying the softball players are students that often always cheer on the baseball team because they kind of go back off. Obviously, they're on the road, but you just had a general contingent mm-hmm. of students out mm-hmm. there with checking out the games, getting a little sun. It was a beautiful day. So they were in and out of the game. So um, good crowd in terms of, especially when you talk about the engaged, they're cheering, heckling, pushing for their team. So pretty good, pretty good. Very nice. Good deal. All right. As you, say, you can always have more out there. You can always have more fans. Come on out. I think if you're looking for a way, especially if you have children and things like that, and you want to get them out the house. You know, some people like Deuce had a baseball game itself that morning. So we did that. And then we left that facility and went straight down to Prairie View. We get there pretty early in the matchup and we just rest of the day, get him out of the house. So if you're looking for something to do, you want to tailgate a little bit, baseball, you have plenty of space to do that out. Or if you just want to bring uh, some kids out there that you get them out of the house, get them off the laptops and things of the nature, I think it's an excellent place to do. Right now, they weren't charging for the game, so it's not going to cost you anything additional out of your pocket. And even when they were charging you, it was nominal. It was a couple of dollars, you know, $5, whatever, to get into the game. So it's a great, great opportunity to get out there, cheer on your alma mater, and see some good baseball. Because right now, the SWAC baseball is really good. Prairie is playing up to the momentum. In softball, you've seen what they've done over the last couple of years. So I would encourage anybody to get out there and watch that. Yep, nice. Most definitely. All right, and we'll be back with I'm So Glad. Hey you. Yes, I'm talking to you. 1876 Sports & Culture is proud to call Anchor.fm our official podcast distributor. 
So let me ask you this. Do you like podcasts and have maybe even been thinking about starting your own? Well, check this out. At Anchor.fm, whether you're a rookie or a pro, this is the platform for your voice to be shared. With Anchor, you can create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, making the experience simple and smooth. And don't even worry about developing your audience. Anchor distributes your content to the most popular listening apps with just a single tap. So what are you waiting for? Get started on Anchor.fm today. back with I'm so glad here today we have a very special guest for a number of reasons she is one of those who we speak of when we recite the moniker that Prairie View produces productive people what prompted us to bring her on the show is a very important accomplishment for the university back in March it was announced that Prairie View College of Agriculture and Human Science program is graduating 10 students who have been accepted into veterinarian school, a record number for the university. So here we have Dr. Aziza Glass, who is a product of the very same program and has amassed amazing success. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Glass. So she is a doctor of veterinary medicine, was born in Houston, Texas, where for years she nurtured her love for animals by watching television documentaries and performing her own animal behavior experiments. Dr. Glass graduated from Prairie View summa cum laude with bachelors of science in agriculture and a concentration in animal science. She played on the Prairie View golf team for four years and also graduated from Cornell University. She is a member of the American Veterinarian Medical Association, Texas Veterinarian Medical Association, the American Academy of Veterinary Acupuncture, the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society, and the American Association of Traditional Chinese Veterinary Medicine. Beyond clinical medicine, Dr. Glass has a variety of molecular biology research experience in the areas of animal science, synthetic biology, animal behavior, and space biomedicine. She has studied extensively at top research institutions, including MIT and the NASA Johnson Space Center. Dr. Glass is the owner of Personal Touch Veterinary Clinic, where she focuses on integrative medicine with an emphasis on acupuncture and other alternative modalities. She enjoys leisure, reading, playing golf, and spending time with her close friends and family. Dr. Aziza Glass, we're so glad that you decided to join us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me to join you. Certainly, certainly. So I'll start us off because we're really excited to have you. Um, so please talk to us a little bit about what got you interested in becoming a veterinarian and how Prairie View contributed to that success. Well, Prairie View actually played a really big role in my path to becoming a veterinarian at really at multiple stages. So I actually didn't grow up with pets. And the only way that I continued to learn about animals was watching the nature documentaries that you mentioned before. And my parents, I grew, I, I'm from Third Ward in the Houston area. And my parents were of the mindset that every summer you need to be doing something. You can't just be sitting idle. So they were always putting my sisters and myself in some type of summer program. And one year they were trying to figure out what I was going to do. It was my 
I was going to be a rising junior in high school. And they came across a recruiter from Prairie View A&M University that had a program that was talking about this new program called the Research Apprentice Program that was in the College of Ag and Human Sciences. And my dad was like, oh, both of my parents are Prairie View alums. And they said, oh, this is at our alma mater. You get to stay on campus. It's a paid internship for high school students. It checks all the boxes. You go in there. Fill out this application. You go in there. And I had no idea about anything dealing with the world of agriculture. I'm from third ward. So when I got there, I was exposed to animal science. It was one of the most cool things that I had ever seen before in my life. I thought that, I mean, it was my first time I was really putting my hands on animals, <laughs> like the pigs, the goats, everything. And I was just having a ball. And it was that, it was during that summer that I said, you know what, I think I want to do, like, I want to study animals in college. And Prairie View didn't have zoology, which is the study of animals. They had biology and I didn't like plants. So I, and I knew I was going to have to study plants in biology. So I said, well, I'm not going to do that. But there really wasn't a question of looking at another university because at that time I was being recruited for the Prairie View golf team. So I knew that I was going to be getting a scholarship and I knew that more than likely I was going to go to Prairie View. So it was like, well, how do I fit this, you know, the circle into the square, you know, kind of whole and it just clicked I can major in animal science so that's how I even got to the animal science route in the college of ag and human sciences and then it wasn't until I still didn't think about becoming a veterinarian it wasn't until I was in my sophomore year and I was seeing all the different upperclassmen that I looked up to were in the process of applying to grad school and some of them were applying to vet school and I realized oh I can become a veterinarian as well and still study animals, still uh, go to graduate school, still become Dr. Aziza. And so for both of those stages, Prairie View played a very, very big role. And then my first big, big mentor who was a veterinarian was Dr. Wendell Baker, who has since passed. And, and he's a PV alum. And so he really took me under his wing. I learned a lot. That's where I learned about acupuncture. He was one of the first veterinary acupuncturists in the state of Texas. And I saw how it worked. I believed in it. And I said, man, I need to be doing this. So it, Prayer View really did play a big step every single year in my journey to become a veterinarian. Wow. wow I just have story. one back follow-up question of that. Do you know Dr. Charles Glass? That's my father. <laughs> <laughs> we worked at Texas Southern University and come by the house. I'm sure you probably forgot a couple of times I go there. And I just wanted to say I'm so proud of you. Wanted to teach you. I'm sure you get that probably too much. But make sure you tell him I said hello. He was really influential in terms of the success I've had. So oh, it's wonderful. To see. Yeah, it's wonderful to see just your growth over the years. I've quietly followed you on the golf team and the success you've had there and your academic success of Prairie View. So it's a light to see you. Uh, doing what you're doing. Continue the great work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. He's in the next room watching my... <laughs> I knew he was telling <laughs> That's uh, wonderful. You mentioned Dr. Wendell Baker. He had a clinic near Prairie View University. Like he created one particularly for the area. Can you speak a little bit about his legacy? Because I several students have been interviewed that are graduating and going on to veterinary school and have mentioned his impact them. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. So when it comes to Dr. Baker, he is, he really has 
a large, what you could say, uh, veterinarians who he has touched their lives from people who have been my mentors. The first person who gave me my job once I, who hired me once I graduated from vet school was one of his mentors. I mean, he's really been helping Black veterinarians, especially those from Prairie View for like, I would say 30 years, maybe more. And especially if they come from Texas, I found out once I moved back to New York from, from Cornell that I did not know a lot of the Black veterinarians because I went to Cornell and a lot of them, for the conversation, I found out that a lot of them went to Prairie View for undergrad. They were a veterinarian in Texas and that they were also College of Ag human sciences alums too. So, I mean, the College of Ag has a very rich history of Black veterinarians in the state of Texas. And a lot of them, in order to, so what a lot of people don't realize is that in order to even apply, not get, not <laughs> just to apply to vet school, you have to have a certain number of hours shadowing a veterinarian. And, you know, a lot of times accessibility can be a huge gatekeeper, especially if you are a student of color that maybe the community that you're from doesn't have a lot of veterinarians or the veterinarians don't look like you, there's a lack of access. And so if you have a lack of access, then you could have the grades, you can have the recommendations, but if you don't have this particular box where you have been shadowing a veterinarian, that will sign off on the hours, and I'm talking about 900,000 hours and more, then you can apply. And so it has been a huge reason why there are some that, that it's a huge reason that contributes to less than 2% of all veterinarians are Black. And with you being a prayer, with someone being a prayer view student, you're already in a very small community. It's not like you're in an urban environment where you have 20 different vet clinics to choose from. A lot of students, when they are not in class during the semester, they, they're working because they have to work, maybe to support their family, maybe to pay for their own degrees. And so really their only chance is to try to find something during the semester. And a lot of the veterinarians that were in the Waller County area were not welcoming to Prairie View students. I mean, it's, it just is what it is. They were not, they treated them horribly, they talked to them crazy, but Dr. Baker's clinic was a safe haven and it was a place for you to see the space, for you to see what it's like to become a veterinarian, to see the horses, see the cows, see the dogs, see the cats, and also see his interpersonal relationship. I mean, I was always amazed by the fact that there were Waller County sheriffs they will come up and visit Dr. Baker and like just to have jokes and laugh. And I was like, I don't understand what's happening right now. But he had that type of respect from even people, you know, from the community who you wouldn't think so. And it was a huge inspiration for me. And I know that it's been a huge, that it's a large reason why he has played a huge role in a lot of veterinarians, um, myself included, uh, from Prairie View going on and not only attending Ending vet school, but also finishing and succeeding and being able to reach back and do the same. Outstanding. Dr. Glass, this is Roland. I have a question for you. So as you start, as you said, only less than 2%. I was like, wow. 
we, we're, we're still in the single digits. <laughs> we're still in the single digits with so many of these professions, right? When you think about what is it, shows like Married to Medicine or what's the other one, Vet Life with uh, Dr. Blue, Dr. Ross, those folks, mm -hmm. do you think by putting Black excellence in more of the spotlight will help draw more people? Or have you even seen an increased number of vets, of African-American vets? since those shows have became oh yeah yeah absolutely the thing that's amazing is the fact that even though we are less than two percent if you actually look at i want to say in the last five years if you look at the amount of veterinarians that are in the media space like the, mm. in the entertainment sector we actually have a a pretty high percentage. And I think that that has caused both that as well as, you know, everything that's happened with, with Black Lives Matter and this renewed push for meaningful, I, I have to say that meaningful diversity, equity, yeah, and I, inclusion. That there is a renewed interest and in, in a new wave of young veterinarians that are applying and they have the mentorship, they have the guidance. It's They're not you know, kind of grasping in the dark for this journey of what it takes to become a veterinarian. And I'm very happy that I'm one of those people. When I was in my senior year at Cornell, I was on a docu-series on Nat Geo Wild called Vet School. I think I might have been, the, I may have been the first Black veterinarian on the network. And that was for a whole season. And so, you know, just with that one season, I got so many calls, so many uh, messages from parents, from students, from children children that were saying, oh my gosh, I've never seen a veterinarian like you, my daughter, or I want to, or I want to go to vet school, or someone who's like 35 at the time was like, you know what, I've been thinking about going and I don't know about if it's too late. And just being able to, you know, kind of give them encouraging words and be that image for them, what, that was, what, seven years ago? Because that was in 2015. That was very rewarding. And then an opportunity came for me to do another project, which is Roman to the Rescue. It's currently on air right now. It currently airs on Hulu, Disney XD, Disney Now, and YouTube TV. And it's about this young boy who's 10 years old, Roman Mackay, whose whole life mission is to get a home, a forever home for every single dog that is in a shelter. And, <laughs> um, and I am Dr. Aziza on the show. I am helping him navigate, you know, the personality, the ups and downs of, of what it'll take to find the perfect family for this particular dog. And so now that I'm in the entertainment space again, it once again, I'm seeing that kind of response, which is, it's inspiring. Once again, I, I've been wanting to become a veterinarian and I wasn't sure, or it's the classwork is so hard, but seeing you do this, this, and this, or looking the way you look or talking the way you talk lets me know that I can do it too, that there is a space for me in the profession. So having that representation on TV, I think is playing a huge role. And then there's another show on Disney Plus right now, Dr. Joy with Pop Goes the Vet. Dr. Courtney Campbell has done Pet Talk and he does a lot of different stuff. He's on The Doctors. He's always on Rachel Ray, it seems like. Rachel Ray's talk show. You have The Vet Life Show. And you have Critter Fixers, which is on Nat Geo Wild. These are all Black veterinarians. And so I'm very grateful to be a part of that. Well, we are excited 
excited to see you on television. We're glad to see that representation. And we're glad to see that you're representing Prairie View in the midst of all of that great media exposure that you're getting. So we really appreciate it. And great job. Yeah. Thank you. And Dr. Glass, one thing that you that I've read about as far as your, your expertise with fresh pet foods, and could you tell us how that came about? Yeah, so I have been, I was interested in acupuncture in a very long time because of Dr. Baker. And so when I went to uh, start my certification at the Chi Institute out in Florida, which is based in their whole philosophy of teaching is based in traditional Chinese veterinary medicine because acupuncture is one of the foundations of Chinese medicine. And I didn't know what that I, all these other components of Chinese medicine that, that integrates with acupuncture. And one of them was food therapy. And so once I started to get into it and I started to actually use it for some of my patients, I was seeing really good results, especially with patients that, that, you know, it was end of life care. These were dogs that were older, but they might have had cancer. And we were, the whole goal was to just make them as, as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. And, you know, some of them didn't want to eat until we, uh, we started making these home prepared type of diets. And I was utilizing food therapy, which I learned while getting my certification. And I said, you know what, I want to really focus on doing a lot more integrative medicine. So I started promoting it. And I think because of my voice, because of my platform, the brand that I've been cultivating ever since I graduated from med school, I established myself as an expert in that area. I checked a lot of the boxes that Fresh Pet was looking for. They were looking for a pet expert. They were looking for a veterinarian who understood and cared about food and food that played a big role in nutrition in a way that isn't just about dry kibble or canned food. They also like the fact that I had a lot of experience with media and with the entertainment space. And and I before I said any said yes to anything, I had to try it, you know, on my own uh, on my own patients. And I, you know, also gave it to other asked some of the vet techs that I knew or the equivalent to nurses to try it, some other veterinarians to try it. And I got positive feedback. I saw the positive uh, feedback, you know, when with the different patients as well. So I said, well, I am confident. It's been a great, great partnership and great collaboration. I do, I really do like the philosophy of Fresh Pet. I like that it really helps to approach pet food in a new and creative way. And and I think that they, that's what's needed in order to shake up the status quo, which is, you know, a lot of the big companies and how they've been able to really have control over the pet food industry for decades. Wonderful. Okay. And we, we could talk to you all day, but uh, <laughs> I do have a final question. No, this is so interesting. I mean, all the things that you represent and as Roland said, how you represent the university, how you represent athletics, you know, we didn't even get to get into that, but hopefully we can get you back on the show another time and just, you know, talk about more of that. Cause we've seen the, the growth on the golf side as well. And, and that's been really amazing to watch. But what I want to ask you about right now, 
now is your clinic, Personal Touch Veterinary Clinic. Tell us about it. Where is it located? What made you want to start your own clinic as opposed to working for someone else? Yeah, so I'm really curious about that. Okay, so I worked for somebody else for about three years, immediately from graduating from vet school. And for my first year was atrocious. The second year was atrocious, but I learned a whole lot. <laughs> Wow. So, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I like at the end of the day, especially my, my second, <laughs> especially my second year, I have to say I learned a whole lot and I cannot take that away from anybody who was there to give me feedback, to give me the criticism, to give me all of that because it truly did make me into a better veterinarian. But when it came to the work environment, I mean, it was a toxic work environment and it was some place where it was hard for me to become confident in myself, to become confident in my own skills. It was a place that I didn't feel like I could ever be comfortable, that everybody was having an angle or I was like someone was waiting for a chance to pounce on a simple mistake that was made, um, whether or not I, you know, forgot to put in a period at the end of the sentence on um, some medical notes, stuff like that. So, and it really did come to a head during uh, my third year working for someone else. And I reached out to one of my mentors and I said, is it because of me or is it, or does this come with being me? And he said, this is because of who you are. And in order for you to have a different experience is that you're going to have to create your own day. So it really did kind of free myself to just like take a leap of faith. And it was really a thing of necessity. I could not, I, I was having a lot of mental difficulty, a lot of anxiety, I mean, I was grinding my teeth. I was having headaches. I had to get a mouth guard. <laughs> it was horrible. Uh-huh. It was absolutely <laughs> horrible. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so when I got that, it was almost like giving permission to just breathe and create your own space, create your own lane. And that included not being um, shameful and hesitant of exploring my interest in being in entertainment. And, and you know, just like how the crocodile hunter was, where he's able to teach about medicine, well, not medicine, but teach about science and animals to the audience, to the TV audience. I wanted to be able to do that too. I I knew that I had a gift for that because of the vet school show. And then it was like, well, I'll just have to create my own thing, which is Personal Touch Veterinary Clinic. And it's a mobile clinic based out of Houston, Texas. But um, I have to say that I'm actually in the phase of expanding. So it is official. We have signed a lease. And so I am in the process of transitioning to my new clinic, which will be announced very soon. And we have our space. I'm actually partnering with a couple of other Black veterinarians. And um, our space is opening this fall. Nice. And it's a brick and mortar, it's a brick and mortar clinic with that. And we will still be doing house calls and having a mobile aspect for both large and small animals. Nice. And- Uh incredible you guys have heard it here first okay (laughs) (laughs) well how can people keep up with you we know you have your website azizaglass.com but let us know your social media and how to get the updated news and keep up with you and um prairie view fans prairie view alumni please come and support bring your pet and all that to personal touch clinic but please tell us how we can stay in contact with you yeah so follow me on all my social media 
media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I even got a TikTok, and uh, YouTube, Aziza Glass, A-Z-I-Z-A-G-L-A-S-S. Um, make sure you follow and subscribe. And um, I'm working on more projects. And so, you know, stuff is not over. I still have more stuff to <laughs> coming that's in the pipeline. So definitely stay tuned and make sure that you also also watch Roman to the Rescue, which is once again on YouTube TV, Hulu, Disney Now, and Disney XD. Wonderful. Thank you so much and for joining us. Thank you for having me. This has definitely been great. And we didn't even get to touch on that, that PV to Ivy League, but but maybe but maybe next time. Yeah. (laughs) All right. It is interesting. It is interesting. (laughs) We would definitely have to have you back. So again, thank you so much for joining us. Very happy. Your, your story is just amazing and definitely one of PV's most proudest daughters. So thank you again for joining us. And we will be right back with some We Ready shout outs. And we're back with some We Ready shout outs. I want to give the first shout out to our very own Joe Clay, who is going to to the Ensemble Theater. Why is he going to the Ensemble Theater? (laughs) Because he gave to the new African-American studies program. So he was invited to see Nikki Giovanni, activist, poet, extraordinaire. So be like Joe and give back. To your alma mater. Who's ready? He was ready. He was ready. Good job. I can't. I can't. Ready, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> you ready, still cheating. It's a cheap date night, baby. That's all. He looked at cheap date night. Really? <laughs> I'm just saying. Be ready. Good with job, that, sir. Good job. Take a lot of pictures for us. Take a lot of pictures for us. <laughs> Roland, you have one? Yeah, I like to shout out the Atlanta Alumni Chapter. They have, uh, and, and the reason this stands out for me, those of y'all who don't know, name is Earl D. Brown Sr. Um, and I had the privilege of meeting Earl when I lived in Atlanta. Earl was a phenomenal young man, very um, dedicated member to the Alumni Chapter, and uh, they actually created a scholarship in his honor. And they are giving out three $500 scholarships for current PV students and also graduating seniors, and it's in Earl's name. Students only have to have a GPA of 2.75, be an active member of a professional or social organization, and submit a essay entitled How the Scholarship Fund Will Benefit Me. So shout out to the alumni, the Atlanta Alumni Chapter for putting this out. And if you need any more information, Reach out to them at pvamuatl.org. They ready. They ready. Ready. Nah. Yes, I want to shout out Trey Turner, the outfielder 510, 195, graduate transfer from New Orleans, Louisiana, that had Deuce in the stands calling it out. He was the one that had the walk-off single to left field with the RBI game when he hit to allow Prairie View to have that second game victory, which means they sealed having the two out of three games against the rival Texas Southern University. And he made it much easier as we rolled home with uh, Dukes as he was cheering in the stand and slept really well as he was tired. So it, <laughs> it made for a good evening. So I want to shout out Trey Turner. He was ready. He was ready. He was ready, but Dukes was no, He could hold him. He had to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a great thing. When he goes sleep early, that's a good thing. I mean, I get some hey, I know, look, I know you're ready for that, but. <laughs> <laughs> so he was ready too. <laughs> All right, here we go. PV. You, you know. No, 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 no. no. 
don't think we know. It was almost. I thought we were there. I don't know. I don't know. It sounded great, though. <laughs> Again, um, so Yati and Mike were not on the show last week, so I leave no choice but to make the opinion that... Uh, he said it wasn't me. <laughs> On my end, it sounded like no, but it's okay. I wasn't going to say nothing.